May 14th, 2008. Just after midnight. A 19-year-old college student is on his way home after celebrating the end of the spring semester with classmates. Rather than take the highway, a stretch of road which he was familiar with, he opts to take back roads. Just after one in the morning, while either attempting a U-turn or otherwise, he gets his car stuck in a ditch. He tries calling a few friends, but is unable to reach them. Now, nearly 40 minutes on the desolate gravel roads between farmland in rural Minnesota, he makes the decision to call his parents for help. Relieved that their son was unharmed by the accident, his parents made the trip out to the location that he claimed he was. But the events that would follow would be confusing, frustrating, and then terrifying. While their son seemed to be positive where he was, his parents were unable to find him. They talked by phone on and off for the next hour as he made his way through empty fields towards the light of a town. Then his father heard his son utter the last words he would ever hear from him. Oh shit. Then the call dropped and they never saw him again. Subsequent investigations would reveal that he was nowhere near where he thought he was, but rather 20 miles northwest. What happened that night in rural Minnesota? This is the story of Brandon Swanson. I'm your host, Megan, and welcome to One Minute and 43 Seconds, a true Unsolved Mysteries podcast. This is episode six, and today we're going to talk about the strange disappearance of Brandon Swanson. Brandon was a 19-year-old guy from Marshall, Minnesota, so from a smaller town like me. And also like me, Brandon graduated high school in 2007. And in May of 2008, Brandon had just finished classes at Minnesota West Community and Technical College in Canby, Minnesota, which is roughly 30 miles northwest of his hometown. Brandon was really into science and chose to study wind turbines. And on the 13th of May, classes had finished for the academic year. So that evening, he stayed in Canby to celebrate with some friends. And that is where our story starts. So Brandon was said to have attended two gatherings that night. From my understanding, the first of these was rather low-key, just a few friends having a couple drinks, and then Brandon was going to stop by another friend's house for a going-away party for another friend. 
And while it's unclear exactly how much Brandon had to drink at these parties, witnesses said that he didn't seem outwardly intoxicated, uh, and he ended up leaving the party just before midnight. So now it's after midnight, technically May 14th, and Brandon makes the first of few questionable decisions that night. Now, there's a highway that is a straight shot between the town of Canby, where Brandon was hanging out with friends, and Marshall, his hometown. And you can actually look this up on Google Maps if you are near a computer or on your phone. You'll see that Highway 68 is the highway that's a straight shot between Canby and Marshall. So rather than take the highway home, Brandon chose to take a series of back gravel roads, which took him through very rural farmlands. And we don't know why for certain Brandon chose to do this, but the prevailing theory is that Brandon had previously received a DUI, and so it's possible he opted to take back roads to avoid the highway, which would have been patrolled by police. And as I mentioned earlier, Brandon was quite familiar with the highway, so he may have known the areas that police would have been. So Brandon was on these gravel roads, and one thing to note about these roads is that they are not parallel to the highway. So in order to navigate these, you would have to make a series of turns um, to get to the direction that you wanted to go. At some point around 1.15 a.m., Brandon was driving on a maintenance road, and as he was attempting to make a U-turn to get back onto the gravel roads, he got his car stuck. Now, remember how incredibly rural this area is. And while the terrain is generally pretty flat, there are trees, shrubs, cornfields, and this was the middle of the night. I personally cannot imagine anything scarier than being stranded out in such a rural area by yourself in the dead of night when it's completely dark out. So Brandon tried to call a few friends, but no one picked up their phone. So just before 2 a.m., Brandon figured, probably time to call the parents. He calls them and tells them he's stuck in a ditch between Marshall and the town of Lind. And again, if you're referencing a map here, Lind is about eight miles southwest of Marshall. So Brandon's parents, Annette and Brian Swanson, jump in the car and head out to the area. Brandon says he's on the left side of the road next to Highway 23, and he's adamant about where he is. Brandon and his parents exchanged several calls over the course of the next half hour, and as fatigue was setting in, it can be theorized that Brandon was pretty frustrated. Despite him giving his parents what he thought were fairly clear instructions on where he was, they could not find each other. At one point, his parents actually flashed their car lights and asked Brandon to do the same, which he did, thinking that would make them easier to spot each other, but still there was no luck, and we'll discuss why that is a little later. Finally, after their search fails, Brandon tells his parents he's going to walk to the Linwood Tavern in the town of Lind, and that they should meet him there. He can see the lights of the town in the distance, so he figures he'll just walk there and he can meet his parents there. Now, at this time, it's nearly 2.30 in the morning, so Brandon's dad, Brian, drives his wife home, drops her off, and then heads back out to make his way to the Linwood Tavern. Brandon and his father then began a 47-minute phone call that will end up being the last call they will ever share. So as Brandon is walking along, he decides to cut across some of the fields diagonally as he figured 
This would get him to his destination faster. Brandon tells his dad he can hear running water nearby, which is most likely the Yellow Medicine River, which runs through the area, and that he's becoming annoyed because he has encountered two fence lines. Then, at 3.10 a.m., Brandon exclaims, Oh, shit! before the phone goes dead. His dad tries repeatedly to call Brandon back, thinking that maybe Brandon dropped his phone and maybe the light of the phone or the sound of ringing would help him find it, but he was unable to reach Brandon, unfortunately. Concerned, Brandon's dad decides to just drive to the Linwood Tavern, as they had discussed. Brian waits and waits and waits, but Brandon doesn't show up. At 6.30 in the morning, after no luck finding Brandon, his parents decided to contact the police and file a missing persons report. The initial response from the police was disappointing to Brandon's parents, to say the least. They were told that it was not unusual for young men of Brandon's age to stay out all night partying, and that since he was 19, he was an adult, and he, quote, had a right to be missing. I personally find this ridiculous. Yes, it is probably common for college-age men to stay out all night and to be slow to check in with their families, of course. But how many of them call for help in the middle of the night? The circumstances here are obviously different, but we'll discuss that more when we talk about theories. The police did go ahead and start searching for Brandon, though. They searched all through the town of Lind as well as the surrounding area and found no trace of him. It wasn't until the police requested Brandon's cell phone records that they realized they were searching in entirely the wrong place. Brandon's cell phone records showed that Brandon wasn't near the town of Lind at all, as he suspected, but rather 25 miles away near the town of Taunton along Highway 68. And I'm going to go ahead and post a map of the area on my Instagram page. You can follow that page at 143mysteries. And I'll show you where Brandon thought he was versus where he actually was so you can get a better sense. It's easier kind of to take a look at this visually. So I will be posting that on the page. Once police began their search closer to the area of where Brandon's cell phone pinged that night, they discovered his abandoned car. It was in a ditch off of a gravel road about a mile north of Highway 68, and they could see how the car was stuck. It wasn't damaged, but the wheels were kind of caught up on the edge of the road in such a way that they weren't touching the ground. Using Brandon's cell phone pings, police were able to determine a rough path which he might have taken after leaving his car. They also brought in some bloodhounds that picked up his scent, which ultimately lasted for three miles. And this route went along various field roads, west and northwest, near an abandoned farm. It also led them to the nearby Yellow Medicine River, which winds through the area. It should be noted, however, that although one of the hounds followed Brandon's scent by jumping into the river, the dog later jumped out and continued along another gravel road, indicating the possibility that Brandon continued on. Since Brandon could hear running water at the time he was on the phone with his father, a theory was obviously put forth that maybe he fell into the river and drowned. But the riverbanks were searched extensively, and boats were deployed along the river as well. They even installed gates in the river to catch anything that might be floating through. But no trace of Brandon, his body, his clothes, or even his cell phone or glasses ever surfaced. So what happened to Brandon Swanson that night in 2008? There are plenty of theories floating around on the internet about 
what became of the young college student. So we're going to go through them one by one and dissect them, and you can decide for yourself what you think is the most likely. One of the most common theories in this case is that Brandon fell into the river and drowned. The Yellow Medicine River is 107 miles long and runs mostly northeasterly in southern Minnesota. While it's technically a river, I've read many sources that describe it as more of a heavy stream in certain places, particularly in the area which Brandon was that night. He did mention to his dad that he could hear the sound of running water nearby. Could Brandon have stumbled into the river and been swept away by the current? I personally don't believe so, and I'm not the only one. Brandon's mother, Annette Swanson, told CNN in 2010, quote, There really is nothing to indicate that he's in the river. I believe there are enough factors in this case that point away from Brandon drowning in the river, the first of which seems to be the fact that the current was not that strong. And while it's possible Brandon slipped and fell into the river, possibly hitting his head, rendering him unconscious, it seems that if that were the case, his body would have been discovered at some stage of the search. If not his body, then at the very least a piece of clothing, a shoe, his glasses, or his phone. But none of these items have ever been found. Another reason I don't buy the river theory is because although one of the bloodhounds jumped into the river at one point, it ultimately climbed out and ended up continuing onto the trail on another gravel road. I believe it's more likely that while on the phone with his father and hearing the water nearby, Perhaps he tripped and fell into the river, maybe dropping his phone in the process. This would account for the oh shit, and also for the dropped call if Brandon's phone fell into the water. He could have then exited the river, his phone either lost or inoperable at that point. The second major theory in Brandon's case is that of foul play, and there are a few angles you can take with this one, one more likely than the other, in my opinion. I'll start with the one I feel is less likely that perhaps Brandon was being followed from the party in Canby. Speculation online is rampant, and the idea that has been thrown out there is that maybe Brandon owed someone money, or that he was into some kind of nefarious activity and that someone was after him, and that this person was hiding in the darkness only to confront Brandon, leading to the oh shit. This, in my opinion, is probably one of the furthest things from what happened. First of all, this hypothetical person would have had to follow Brandon from Camby, which would have certainly been noticed by him, especially in the desolate back roads he was traveling on. You would definitely notice somebody or another vehicle that was tailing you. Brandon also didn't mention that he was being followed or that there was someone nearby when he was speaking to his parents. You could argue that someone was waiting for him out on the gravel roads already, but that person would have had to know ahead of time that Brandon would opt to take back roads instead of the highway. If Brandon really was taking gravel roads in an effort to meet someone else for some nefarious reason, his car getting stuck in a ditch and him calling his parents for help doesn't really fit that scenario. Another foul play angle that has been discussed online is that maybe Brandon wandered onto someone's private property. Maybe he was on the phone with his dad, and he wandered down to a farm whose owner was not too happy to see someone trespassing in the middle of the night. The idea behind this theory is that Brandon encountered this person in the dark and was startled, causing him to say, oh shit. Then the person harmed Brandon, perhaps thinking it was a threat and not wanting to deal with the legal repercussions he got rid of his body. 
While this is technically a possibility, I don't believe this is what happened either. For one, Brandon encountering a stranger in the dark would certainly cause him to say, oh shit, but it doesn't account for why the call dropped. Secondly, if there was a confrontation that resulted in Brandon's death, wouldn't it just be easier to call the police and tell them you shot a trespasser? I'm not a legal expert, but I can't imagine there being a severe punishment if you believed you were acting in self-defense. Also, it's not unlikely that Brandon would have had time to explain to this person that he wasn't a threat, but rather lost and in need of assistance. If he wasn't given a chance to explain, wouldn't his father have heard a gunshot or a struggle? Now on to the next theory, and this is unfortunately a grim one. And this theory is pretty popular online. I've seen it discussed a lot, and that's the theory that Brandon succumbed to the elements and was accidentally run over by farm equipment, potentially. Let's explore the fact that Brandon's oh shit could have been a result of him tripping and falling into the Yellow Medicine River. The temperature in the area on the night Brandon disappeared was 39 degrees Fahrenheit. While that's above freezing, Brandon wasn't dressed for the weather. He was wearing pants and a hooded sweatshirt. And if he did fall into the river and then got out, as the bloodhound suggests, he could have passed out in a field, succumbed to hypothermia, and died. Could Brandon then have been tragically run over by farm equipment if he was not already dead? It's not a pretty picture, but it's an interesting theory that needs to be explored. As of 2011, the search for Brandon Swanson has covered 122 square miles. It may seem shocking that no trace of him has ever been found throughout the years, but at the same time, it's a big world. The process of farming or the elements could be attributed for the lack of discovery, or just the notion that Brandon's body was simply missed. Sadly, I believe this is what most likely happened. I think it's completely possible that whatever caused Brandon to say, oh shit, was not directly responsible for his disappearance and ultimately his demise. I think his phone could have been dying and he was frustrated, realizing he was out of battery. I think it's possible, even likely, he stumbled into the river. While Brandon was not intoxicated, according to his parents, he had consumed some alcohol that night. Witnesses reported that he did at least one shot of whiskey before he left the party. I think that, combined with him being tired, frustrated, and cold, caused him to be more disoriented than he already was. And what's further is that Brandon was actually legally blind in one of his eyes. I think it's possible that after Brandon and his father became disconnected, Brandon continued to wander for miles, maybe. This could have been in any direction, for all we know. At some point, he either went somewhere to find shelter or simply collapsed, his body somehow concealed. It has been 12 years since Brandon Swanson vanished in rural Minnesota. Ever since his disappearance, his parents have left their porch light on for Brandon in the event that he ever makes his way home. While it's difficult to find the good in such a tragic story, Brandon's parents Brian and Annette began lobbying for change within the state law that would require missing persons reports to be investigated immediately, even for adults. This ultimately resulted in a bill called Brandon's Law, the bill was authored by Marty Seifert, minority leader of the State House of Representatives, after he met with Brandon's mother, Annette. He left the legislature in 2010, but said this of the bill, quote, I consider it one of the most important bills I authored in my 14 years. It will save lives. At the time of his disappearance, Brandon Swanson was five foot six and weighed 120 pounds. 
He's a white male with brown hair and blue eyes. On the night he vanished, he was wearing a white t-shirt under a blue striped polo sweatshirt, baggy blue jeans, and a black hooded zip-up jacket with an emblem on the back. He was also wearing a white, flat-billed Minnesota Twins baseball hat, white sneakers, and a heavy sterling silver necklace. Brandon also had one stud in each ear. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Brandon Swanson, please contact the Lincoln County Sheriff's Department at 507-694-1664. Thank you for listening to episode 6 of 1 minute and 43 seconds, a true unsolved mysteries podcast. You can find pictures associated with Brandon's case on Instagram at 143mysteries. You can also review source information as well as submit a case suggestion at 143mysteries.com or feel free to leave me a comment on Instagram. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, stay safe. This podcast has been approved by Skipper the Cat. Right, Skippy?